0: The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything. Join me and the guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Icarus Borelli with Shane Jones. What is up, inquirers? Welcome. Your one stop shop for open minded conversation. Today's guest is an absolutely fascinating individual. He originally set out with the intention to find the truth on the whole Sasquatch phenomenon, but in the process, he embarked on an ongoing personal journey and ended up finding himself. In a world of so many opinions on Sasquatch, he paved his own way with his own perspective and style of tackling the subject. Lots of respect to this guy, and it was an honor to have him on the show. But before we get into this, Absolutely fascinating conversation. We, of course, have to uh, hit the front of house stuff first. So if you guys don't mind and you haven't already left a review or rating for the show, I would definitely appreciate it. If you guys leave the show a five-star review on iTunes, of course, I will read it on the show and uh, give you guys a big shout-out. And uh, I haven't gotten a review on iTunes in a hot minute, so if any of you guys don't mind doing it, I definitely appreciate it. It's an awesome way to help out the algorithm, make it so that more people are seeing the show, but I gotta keep that shit constant. I know that I see a bunch of reviews on Spotify, which, of course, I definitely appreciate all you guys doing that. Um, But all you guys over on the iTunes side, you guys don't mind posting something over there? That would be absolutely awesome. And if you guys aren't already following the show on social media, I highly recommend that you do. If you want to get updates on anything going on with the show, be it new episodes, uh, events coming up, or anything else that I deem is post-worthy, uh, of course I'm the most active on Instagram, but we also have a Facebook set up for the show. Uh, but anything for the Facebook pretty much just gets pushed off the Instagram. So if you're gonna follow in one place, at least go follow on the Instagram. And uh, if you guys want to pop into two awesome servers to have some open-minded conversations with some like-minded individuals, you guys can go and check out the Telegram and the Discord. The Discord is a little bit more active than the Telegram. Uh, We kind of put all of our uh, hope and focus over there on the Discord. We're still building that one up. It's a it's a process, just like most things. But the only way it's going to keep getting better is if you guys pop in, you guys interact with each other, you guys make some friends. Uh, the only way it's going to build up is with you guys. So don't forget to uh, pop in there, even if you only pop in once in a while and drop a comment here and there. You know, a little bit of something's better than nothing. And anything you guys do, I definitely appreciate. And uh, if you guys want to share the show, I made it a little bit easier to do that. We now have a YouTube and a TikTok set up for the show. It is under Open Minds Media, so it doesn't just pertain to this show. It also pertains to Bizarre Encounters. But what I do over there is I post uh, clips of the show with uh, points of interest along with a thought-provoking question to go along with it. Um, it's an easy thing to share. Like I said, I hope to keep promoting the show. It's only about you know a minute to three minutes at the most. So if you don't think somebody might listen to a full episode or there's a particular spot in the episode that you really wanted somebody to see so that you could ask them about it, interact with them about it, go and check it out on the YouTube or the TikTok, see if it's over there, share that with them. Quick and easy, all it is, one button, or you copy the link, send it over to that person. But you know, at the minimum, at least follow on YouTube or TikTok. Uh, you don't necessarily have to follow on both because I post the same stuff on both pages, but any follows over there, definitely appreciate because we're trying to build those ones up a bit. And I should be expanding more into some more video content. Um, I am planning on getting a GoPro at some point here soon, and I'm going to start doing my own investigations, uh, possibly going to no encrypted locations, um, doing mini documentary series, but I want to keep expanding the show. I want to make sure I got more video to- content going on for you guys. So anything you guys want to do with helping with that, if you guys want to... Um, Throw some ideas of some places you guys might want me to explore in Michigan or any topics that you guys want me to cover in video format. Uh, throw the suggestion. would love to do it. And uh, if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, if you're an author, filmmaker, researcher, experiencer, contact e, occultist, open-minded individual in any way, shape, or form, I want to sit down. I want to have a conversation with you. So don't hesitate to uh, break the ice. Shoot me a message on Instagram, which I'm the most active on or you guys can email me at outlook.com. or you can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and of course, that will go directly to my email. I do respond to every single message I get, so make sure you guys check the spam and junk folders, make sure nothing gets missed in the process. And uh, if you guys can't get enough of me, don't forget to go and check out Bizarre Encounters if you aren't already. I know I mention on every single show, but I want to make sure that all you guys that would enjoy the show will go over and check it out. I do that with my two awesome co-hosts, Orin and Jenny. Over here, uh, you know, we keep it a little bit more serious. We make some jokes here and there, but over there, you know, as long as it's not an interview, it's just us doing a deep dive. We definitely get deep with the dives, but in the process, we make some jokes. We have some fun along the way. It's a lot of fun to record, it's a lot of fun to uh, do the deep dives, all that stuff over there. So I hope you guys have as much fun listening to it as we all enjoy making it over there. And uh, if you guys want to keep tabs on everything that I do in all in one place, don't forget to go and check out Open Minds Media. That is the uh, umbrella for all the different podcasting stuff that I do. So if you guys are going to do a generic search, look up Open Minds Media, you'll find it across multiple different platforms. And usually anything that I keep under Open Minds Media, you'll find this show and you'll find Bizarre Encounters. And uh, if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. Number one is to become a Patreon member. There are multiple tiers over there. So go and check them out. Figure out which one suits you guys the best. Uh, You'll get things such as ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, lives of episodes, live replays of episodes, exclusive merch store discounts, exclusive hangouts, and I'm always trying to expand it over there. So if there's anything that you guys want to see on the Patreon, feel free to throw the suggestion and I would absolutely love to coordinate it and add it in so that make it so you guys get exactly what you guys want over there as far as the Patreon goes. If you guys want to donate to the show directly, you guys can do so through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. And if you guys donate in that way, make sure you guys send me some type of personalized message. If it doesn't give you the option to do it on any of those platforms, let me know that you guys donated because I'd love to give you guys a shout out on the show, give appreciation where appreciations do, as I always say. And if you guys want to support the show in another way, you guys can go and check out the Open Minds Media merch store. Over there, you'll find designs for increase of our reality, bizarre encounters, uh, all the little side shows that we do. And I am starting to coordinate some new designs over there that aren't necessarily pertaining to the show, uh, like the squonk design that I recently dropped at the uh, at Squonkapalooza. That should be popping up pretty damn soon if it is hasn't already as far as a shirt that you guys can pick up on the merch store. And I'm going to keep hopefully dropping some of those. I'm going to try to do a new design every other month, hopefully maybe even every month, depending on how it all kind of falls and works out. But trying to expand the merch store. So make sure you guys go and check that out. And if you guys pick up any merch from the merch store, if you guys don't mind sending me a picture of you guys wearing it, I'd love to repost it on the show page, show that there's love and support out there for the show. And while we're speaking about love and support, don't forget to go and support Joe over there at Theology absolutely killing it with the cryptid designs as always, always adding new stuff. And he recently did put on the whole Squonkapalooza event. So he's been busting his ass over there as far as that goes too. So in any way, shape or form, you guys can go and support him. Please do so because he definitely deserves it because he works really, really hard at what he does. Just the same as, you know, I do with this show or any podcaster does with any show that they're doing. If there's any small creators that you guys really enjoy, don't forget to support them in some way, shape or form uh, interacting in their communities, saying that you like their designs, saying that you like their podcast, all of that. Uh, not just this show, any podcast, any local, small creator, don't forget to support them in any way, shape or form, because you guys supporting us is what keeps us going. And we wouldn't be doing this kind of stuff without you guys. And sometimes you just need that little shove, you know, to know that people are out there, they're listening, they appreciate what you do and that kind of stuff keeps you going. It, it means a lot to us. And, uh, you know, just take a couple seconds, send it to any creator that you guys really enjoy, and I'm sure you'll end up making their day in the process. And uh, everything that I mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show. Jay Bachochin, truth seeker, and absolutely fascinating human being. It's a pleasure to have you on, and uh, how are you doing today, man?
1: <laughs> doing good, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Hey, and, and the thing is, you said my name flawlessly. You must be gifted. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> I got to say it a couple times before we start. That's always my trick. Because you if you're going to say it right, you at least got to say it right the first time. Then the rest of the time, you can call the person man, you can call him Jay, you can call him whatever. <laughs> but you got to say it right the first time. <laughs>
1: That's right. I always say, you know what, call me anything you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. (laughs) Boom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's say my grandpa used to say something along that too. He used to say, you can call me whatever you want, but just don't call me asshole.
1: (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) You can call me that too. Just don't call me late for dinner.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, for anybody that might not be familiar with who you are, what you do, and what exactly the truth is that you seek, uh, why don't you let them know who you are and what you do?
1: You know, I always say when it comes down to it, I'm just Jay. You know, people are always like, okay, well, what does that mean exactly? You know, I'm I'm a family man. You know, I'm in graphic design. I've been doing that for a long time. But, you know, my whole life, I've always wanted to uh, search the truth of the things that I've seen when I was a young lad, you know, from uh, you know, UFOs in the sky to... You know, the time when Ghostbusters came out in the 80s, yes, I'm dating myself, but it was always things that I knew existed, but I really didn't know. I, you watch it on TV, how much truth can TV tell you? So it wasn't until later in, in mid-2000s when me and my wife had a, um, we got married and had our honeymoon on the East Coast during Halloween. So we were in Salem. We had, went on a ghost tour. Now, I was already really familiar with the whole. Ghost Hunters, you know, TAPS. That was the first show that was out there. Now it's saturated. But back then it was so real, that reality TV show of somebody searching for the truth. But, you know, it's like when we were out in Salem, they had this ghost tour that you could actually just walk around. And that's what we did. And I found it so intriguing that when I got back to Wisconsin, you know, me and my wife said, you know, why don't we just start doing this? Because I want to know um, what the truth is, not just what's on TV, but uh, for myself. And so therefore we started a paranormal group and we were, we're we're a paranormal team called Wisconsin Paranormal Investigators. And uh, our slogan was hunt the truth and not physically hunt obviously, but to seek those answers. And uh, we did that for several years before the team dispersed. And I kind of went solo. I, I live right here in Southeast Wisconsin, like 15-minute drive from Bray Road, where the Beast of Bray Road is. Oh, wow. Stories, yeah, that Linda Godfrey, uh, you know, wrote about and 15 minutes. So it's a matter of just going down and driving and patrolling the roads, Uh, not getting off because it's all private farmland. I never suggest anybody to stop and get off on those roads. But you can drive them. And we started doing that and, you know, looking for this werewolf, possible werewolf. I mean, who knows? Beast of Bray Road. Then that led us up into the Kettle Moraine, where, you know, I, I talked about UFOs now. I've talked about ghosts. I've talked about a werewolf. But I've never mentioned Bigfoot. Why? Because Bigfoot doesn't exist. It's the butt end of a joke. That's what it is. That's what it was to me. You know, I even believed in a Monster. But why not Bigfoot? Well, everyone's been looking for Bigfoot for what? 50, 60, almost 70 years, you know how far back the reports go, Bigfoot didn't exist. Where's the body? Where's the proof? All right, you found some footprints. whoop de doo You know, anybody could hoax those. So to me, Bigfoot was off my radar, but you know, one of the fateful nights of legend tripping Bray Road, we ended up in in the Kettle Moraine to where I captured my first audio of what sounded like, and this was late at late at night. And I was out there with three other people. And I mean, it sounded like a cross between a person and um, a, a primate of some sort. It was a very unique call. And I always say, I'm not Crocodile Dundee. I'm no Outback Jack. I don't know every animal out there, um, you know, being a woodsman or anything like that, but I was able to record a little bit off my my trusty dusty digital tape uh, camcorder with the little speaker on it, I was able to capture one of the several calls we heard and we could never find a match to um, to what we heard. And in fact, the four of us out there all around my age, have never heard anything like that before, but it doesn't mean it could have been a deer call in distress or any nocturnal animal, but we could never find the match. Thus my journey began Probably right around that time, October nineteenth, two thousand thirteen, to where I was now set to find the truth, and really, that's what I like to, how I like to be perceived, because it's not just um, Bigfoot or ghost or UFOs or anything. I like to truth seek, and that's in my everyday life. I like to, to find the truth in in everything, um, and I and I I do I question everything. I don't believe everything I'm told, which is good. Just as you're listening to my voice now, you don't know whether I'm telling you the truth or not. Therefore you have to go out and seek that truth. Um, and honestly, that's, that's where I'm at right now. 10 years later, uh, truth seeking in the kettle moraine.
0: So you're almost at exactly about 10 years too. I was about to make that comment when you were going in, you got like, uh, another month or two and you're about there 10 years. <laughs> Yeah. 10, 10 years. And you hear a lot of people
1: saying they do it because there are a lot of research out researchers out there that have been doing it 15, 20, 25 years longer that I know that have been doing this. And so, you know, obviously I felt like a newbie doing it because, you know, there's no, there's no one expert in any one of these fields. We, we can all speculate, but we really don't know. And, um, but I think that's the best part about it is that there are researchers out there that are doing the same thing. Maybe not the same way I would do it, but I don't think there's a wrong or right way to do it to to find the truth.
0: I mean, it's like a progression of a science, too, because it's like, you know, you take old science – then you have like the modern day science and it took the new minds coming into it to kind of correct some of the methods, kind of throw some stuff out, so, kind of use some new stuff. So, I mean, if everybody is just continuing off of like the old methods, then realistically, I feel like you're not really going to get anywhere. You have to continuously progress. So like the newbies coming in that have like the new fresh set of eyes, new mind on things, they bring in a whole other new light to the subject. And especially in like the Sasquatch subject, for example, because it's like a lot of the guys who've been doing it for a long time are very much so on like the flesh and blood camp where a lot of like the new researchers kind of entertain the possibility of there being uh, more of like a woo woo aspect to it and uh, not necessarily like full on woo woo, like, you know, Sasquatch is doing magic out in the woods, but just under misunderstood or not able to be explained yet. Abilities of these things that could completely be natural abilities, but just we're not we're not aware of them yet But at least like the new generation kind of brings that into consideration because they're coming at it from a little bit different of a background and they can kind of use and You know, throw away some of the stuff that the old researchers were doing that was either kind of working or not quite working and need to be tweaked a little bit. But the people have been doing it for a while; they're so set in their ways that they weren't really willing to like tweak their method. But sometimes that's what's needed in order to again keep progressing, like the research and what you're trying to do.
1: Right? It's it. it It's also like reading. We're talking off air about um, uh, Ron Moorhead's The Quantum Bigfoot, my favorite Bigfoot book, uh, more more based on, you know. My, my faith of what I believe. And I really think that's how it is. I think it's more of a, I think it could be a spiritual thing when people say, okay, so you think that uh, Bigfoot is out there and it's a spirit. No, I believe it's 100% flesh and blood, 100%. But I also believe that it holds so many different special attributes, and I'm not going to say supernatural, but special attributes that, as you just mentioned, that we don't know, you know, our knowledge isn't that far deep to where we understand how they can do this. You know, if they're really out there, which I believe they are hundred percent, they're really out there. Why aren't these big, you know, four foot, five foot trenches of trees just knocked down everywhere. Why aren't there footprints everywhere? You know, if it's physical, it's got to leave evidence, but how are they flesh and blood and not leaving that evidence behind see i mean it's it's, you know it's a double-edged sword type of thing but and of course i really don't know but it's it's something that i believe that they've adapted you know over over however long they've been around i believe that they've been able to tap into being the ultimate hide and seekers you know (laughs) the hide and seek champions ever
0: I mean, even off of that too, I mean, if you have years and years and years and generations of practice on how to move, survive, and just be in the woods in general, I mean, plain and simple, they could be leaving one footprint on purpose because maybe they walk a little bit lighter, or we all know that they have the mid break, so they have the ability to bend their foot in the middle. So they could just be walking on the toes and the heels on purpose in most places, and then maybe they put one solid good footprint facing away from where they're actually going, And then they head back the other way. It's no different than, I mean, you see people do it in the snow. They'll leave purposeful prints and then they'll brush off the rest that they don't want people to follow. Like, you know, they may not be disappearing. They could literally just be intelligent enough to deter people away. Because if they put three steps going in this direction, people are going to keep following it, looking for more steps. And, you know, you might be 20 feet that way is where they have their babies and they're all sleeping.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because in my first documentary, when I first find those prints in the snow when I first saw the one and two, and I'm like, whoa, there's more. And after examining it, of course, I I videoed, uh, filmed off my iPhone 3 at the time. (laughs) Yeah, that's how far back it goes. Um, (laughs) And I actually don't know iPhone 4. But, uh, you know, where I found the prints and, uh, you know, took video of it, I did exactly that because if you remember the movie The Shining, where the little kid at the end of the maze was trying to trick the psycho dad chasing him he did his back steps to you know to fool him and going that direction and that's what i thought and that's why i was taking these pictures in this powder white snow that i wanted to see if there was any type of disturbance anywhere i mean but what i was finding are just fresh no drag marks nothing just straight down and nothing definitely nothing went back backwards like a double step or anything like that but they did end up going and going out to a fallen oak that had some snow on the top that was a little bit disturbed. Don't couldn't tell you if it was a hand heel or whatnot, but that was it. Then it was gone. <clears throat> it like literally didn't continue anywhere. So I know what you were saying about going the back step saying I'm gonna you know fool Jay and let him go this way, but I'm really that way. I mean who knows, but where did it go? You know, some people are like, well, you know. It went through a portal, and I'm like, Well, I've never seen a portal before. You know, And they said, Well, you know, maybe it uh, levitated or something or sprouted and grew wings, which actually is quite terrifying. You know.
0: <laughs> bat squash. You <know>, you
1: know, <laughs> bat, bat, bat squash flying around on you. Um, but I really didn't have any. And again, this was when I first was doing this almost 10 years ago, um, where I just couldn't understand, you know, what it was. It was physical, it was leaving tracks. But how is it just, how did it just disappear?
0: I mean, even just to throw in a, just a real world possibility too, beyond having some type of like special ability, um, if one is to believe that these things are related to apes in any way, shape or form, I mean, they could simply be going up because I mean, these things are only seen in deep, thick woods where the trees are pretty decent size. So I mean, like if a person can be up in a tree, there's no reason why a Sasquatch theoretically couldn't be in a tree. And I mean, even off of that too, if they're, they have as much reach as they do, they're as big as they are, they could easily do weight displacement too. They may not have all their weight on one branch. They could have one on one branch, one on another, the other two up. And then, you know, they lower themselves down, put a footprint in, climb back up into the tree and keep moving along in the trees.
1: That, that's exactly what a lot of people think because sometimes, well, people want to think of Bigfoot. They always think of the Patterson-Gimlin film, Patty, where she was just this big girl, just trudging along um, the, the one that I had a sighting of is a lot like over the years of, of uh, shadows either at night, and they were always really thin. Um, the one that I saw at night, 2017 in January, uh, me and another uh, investigator, Mary Marshall, who researches the paranormal, we sat on um, this big fallen oak Branch in January, so snow on the ground, and we're sitting above a 300-foot kennel, staking out an area uh, to look down because we found a structure down there. And
0: what kind of structure you, you, was you, it? Just out of curiosity. Uh, it was in my first film. It,
1: that was the one that looked like it was just all inner.
0: Oh, the interlocking you know, branches. Yes,
1: you know where people would look at that and go automatically. No, Jay, that was a deer blind. Okay, well that. That's great because I'd 100% say if you're truth-seeking, you've got to go with that possibility. But the way if a person made this made no sense at all. You know, it was almost like how bored would they be taking a little three-inch piece of wood and just wedging it here that made no difference to the blind. And they were just kind of weirdly placed all around with, it was just, it was weird. Um, I've even seen that, ones yeah, with
0: full sticks and branches weaved yeah. through each other. Like that's not something that like a person would easily be able to do unless they were using some form of tools. And again, it's like, why do that in the middle of the woods just for fun?
1: <laughs> it, exactly. That's how I would look at it. But we're sitting above this kettle and it was, it, I don't know, it was probably about nine o'clock at night. So it's dark in January, but you could still see the forest floor, uh, beautifully because of the snow. Like you could see. Every tree, everything was a silhouette, but you could see it perfectly like an animal. And, um, and you know, at this point, I, I didn't have a body cam at that point, um, or at least I didn't have it out with me that night. But we're just kind of sitting down, and I'm looking. Uh, Mary was going to look over my left shoulder and down the kettle, and I was going to look over her right shoulder and down the kettle. And we're just kind of get, getting situated. You know, It's January. It's cold. And all of a sudden, I see... What looks like a gangly chimpanzee almost sitting back on its haunches by this one tree. And I'm just looking at it. Now, uh, I didn't have any light, you know, throwing up in my eyes you know, uh, to make me distorted or anything like that. I could see perfectly. And I'm looking at this, like the shape of it. And all of a sudden the thing moves behind the tree. But what was really weird is it didn't um, move like an animal. It looked like it was on a cart with wheels and somebody was pulling the cart of a statue behind the tree it just glided and i'm just you know i was beside myself at that point because i'm just like what did i just see i mean it looked like a now, you what i mean a gangly chimpanzee but a big one you know from the perspective of the 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 weeds that were kind of in front going down the kettle in the tree it looked huge but it looked thin, you know, it didn't look, um, you know, like Patty and, um, you know, going back to my daytime sighting that just happened this past March, I'll give, get to that in a second, but it's going to exactly what you were talking about. Actually, is the point I was trying to make the long gangly arms that I believe that if they are going to move around the woods, is it possible that they are just using their, their arms, their feet, and they're just kind of moving through the trees like spiders and just being able to move around and just above anything. They're not disturbing anything. They're not putting feet down. And if they do, you know, is it intelligent enough that where they do put their feet down is generally where no humans will ever go and the forest will cover that up anyway, you know, because that's what the forest does. Yeah, so it was like, you know, back then, though, This was 2014, uh, February, when I found those uh, prints. And when I was looking kind of down in my level, at that point, I never really looked up. And I think the closest tree to this fallen one was probably about 20 feet. It was almost like this weird little clearing in the woods that I'm like, well, you know, I, I figured if there was a tree close by, did it shimmy up a tree? but I didn't see any tree that it could have gone to unless it jumped 20 feet, which I guess, you know, is that possible too? Absolutely. But, you know, I never really checked up in the trees. And even if I did, would I have seen it or would I have just seen a bunch of branches just kind of still as can be? I don't know.
0: That's one thing that I was almost going to address too, is that you usually see, you know, one, two footprints, something like that. And maybe it's more of like an impact thing. Maybe that's why they're usually pretty good, they're usually like an inch or two into the ground is maybe if they are moving around in trees you get to a spot where there's not a tree that you can grab onto from the one that you're in or it might snap so maybe they do a thing where they just hit the ground two feet in jump back up and i mean like if these things have as much strength as they do i mean you see basketball players and they practice i mean they they can jump pretty goddamn high even for just being people like imagine if you're something that's built for this and you have years of adaptation to be able to stay up in the trees. And I mean, you always see these encounters that people have. I mean, people chalk it up with a lot of Dogman stuff, but I I'm sitting on the fence on whether or not these things might actually be related to each other and just might be different, like subspecies. But I know maybe the shaking of the trees that people happen to see when they're using drones and things are actually these things, you know, jumping and then catching back onto a tree and the tree shaking because of the weight. Right. And some of the snapping of the trees might just be that it was a tree they couldn't ma- maintain their weight. And then they just took off after that. And that's where you hear these like trampling steps after a tree getting cracked yeah, is because like they, the they messed up and just took off.
1: <laughs> no, but the, and that's exactly it. I think it's, um it's great to be that um, open-minded when you do that, because again, when you go out there and you're looking for Bigfoot, guess what? You know what people say jay if you want to find bigfoot that bad you are going to find it whether you see it or not right it's going to be something that i will imagine because when you're in the woods let's face it it's an uncontrolled environment you know you got every type of critter out there uh any it could be any type of you know sound every stick breaking is not uh you know a bigfoot uh in the past life i, I did deer hunt and being as quiet during the day, you hear this rhino come through the woods, and you finally get to look at it as a squirrel making that much noise. So you know for a fact that when you're out there, that's got to be taken into the accountability uh, of what it is. So you know, does it come down to um, you know their mistakes that they make, or you know are they done on purpose? Uh, there's so many things that so many questions that I have about that right? You, you never can see them unless they allow you to see them. At least that's what a lot of first nation people believe is, you know, if they show themselves to you, that they, you were meant, they, you were meant to see them. They wanted you to see them. But then again, what about roadside crossings that were, you know, cars driving by that didn't, never happen to me, but you hear reports they're driving and something jets out in front of them. and has an expression on like, Whoa, where'd you come from? You know? So it's kind of like, uh, I don't think you were meant to see him. You just snuck up on him really fast. You know, I, I never, I, those those are the questions that I am still seeking, you know? And that's, You hear all these different people talk about it.
0: That's where you get into like the weird possibilities of them having like abilities that, again, people would perceive as like woo-woo, but may not necessarily be woo-woo. Because it's like, you know, repeating noises, for example. It doesn't sound like something that would naturally happen. And then we discovered parrots that can just repeat sounds, which is something that I think Sasquatches do, even for just entertainment. I mean, you're on the woods. If you're a remotely intelligent being, you're going to have to have some form of entertainment. You hear about these things like mimicking car doors, things like that. It could just be, again, just for, just for fun, for doing it. And then, I mean, you go into like octopuses, for example, and the fact that they can completely change their color sounds completely crazy until you see something that actually does it. So, I mean, something having some type of like telekinetic ability where they can essentially like block your vision from actually seeing them. It sounds crazy and woo woo until you actually find something in nature that may actually have that possibility of an ability. And it's not a woo woo magic ability. It's a natural ability that they just, we've deterred away from. And I mean, even with people, there's a lot of different abilities that other animals have that we know we had, but we deterred farther away from because of technology, like weather, for example, like every animal knows when it's going to rain before it's going to rain. Humans don't because we've been using, uh, you know, weather apps and all that kind of stuff for so long. So it makes you wonder what type of abilities like this. I mean, you hear about all the people that have like um, telekinetic abilities. Like maybe we do have these abilities and we've just strayed away from them. And that's the missing link is the fact that, like, you know, we know these abilities do could potentially exist to the point where like even the government's experimented on trying to figure out how to make these things work. Like it's there. So it's like, why can't we just address it to something else?
1: the, The remote viewing, you know, the government has been working on that. And I know other people that have tried the remote viewing. Have you heard about that?
0: Yeah. With the Sasquatch stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the crazy part is I hear all these stories. I've gone through so much in the past 10 years. Couldn't tell you exactly. Yes. 100%. That was a Bigfoot, but you hear other people talk about their encounters of, um, seeing what looks like a cloak, like the Predator. And I've heard that so many times. But guess what? This past January, I saw it firsthand. In, right in front of my eyes, I was no more than maybe 40 yards tops, staring at this baseline of a tree. And then I saw what looked like... The only thing I could think of was like a Frodo or Harry Potter with a cloak over him If if you saw like a distortion move, and then it stepped behind this bigger tree, and why do I say it stepped? Is because I saw the distortion move with the woods behind it and everything. And then when it got to the tree, it went to normal, as if it went behind the tree. Then my um, my 35-year-old nephew, he was actually way off left to the side before I even saw it. And he was already looking that way. And he said, when we finally bet up, he goes, all right, I'm, I'm a grounded type of guy. It's got to be black or white for me, or I'm not saying a thing, because I'm not going to say I'm crazy. But he goes, it was weird. I saw this distortion by this one tree shoot from right behind it. It was standing behind it or behind it. And it moved like lightning speed right through the branches and everything, all the weeds, everything. And it just, and he could just see it move. And it moved so fast. And it was, when, it, when, it, when we figured out what tree it was, it was the same tree I saw from my perspective of it stepping behind. So it was something. Now, again, people are going to be like, well, it was, that Bigfoot then? I mean, that could have been a ghost of the woods. It could have been...
0: glimmer man uh,
1: Yeah, right, yes. <laughs> you know, it, it, the thing is, but it was a distortion that I saw firsthand. Did I record it? No. Did I have a body cam? Yes, but from that distance with that resolution, you could not see it, no matter if you tried to zoom in or, or whatever to try to prove it, but I saw it with my eyes. And again, it's one of those things that people can't take away from me because I saw it, you know, 100%, and that's that's my truth is what I saw, and it was the same with um, that this was January of this year, then it was uh, March, I was up at a, a friend's property right next to an area where I research out there for a couple hours looking at tree structures that she saw and she wanted to alert me to, we're out there for at least three and a half hours, we're getting ready to go. During this is during the day around three o'clock, beautiful sun, snow. It just snowed that day, and there's snow on the side of the trees. And I'm saying goodbye to the woods, saying all right, I'll see you guys in my area, just like four miles, you know, west next week. And uh, just as I do this, and this was probably a uh, an eighty-yard sighting during the day, but I saw a black figure. Head, shoulders, maybe the arm was down, but all the way down. It was definitely bipedal. And I could make out the head, the shoulder, and the legs from that far of a distance. And it just moved from left to right in between all these trees. It just came into my view, went behind some trees, but the trees weren't 100% thick. And then there was more trees that I could have just kept following it like a normal object, but it didn't. It just went from left to right behind some trees, Gone. I'm like what the heck did I just see jet black um it was a pivotal moment because I I knew what it was and it, it was almost like that that honor I don't know how to explain it you know sometimes I was you know I don't think I'm less of a man I always feel like crying when I tell this story because it's so emotional um when, when I when I go back to that moment and it was just kind of a, this is what you've been seeking for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And yes, they are. You know, even though I've seen that one at night, I've seen weird blur figures of something at night, you know, always out of the corner of your eye. I have found footprints. I've casted a footprint. I've had stones thrown at me. I've caught thermal, but all that, went to the back seat as soon as I saw what I saw. Where I'm like, there you are. It'd be like, Shane, you know, a lot of times people are like, um, well, did you go look for prints right away? Because that's the first thing people wanted. But at that point, I it was like I already knew, and I didn't walk over there. And people are like, well, what kind of researcher are you? So I'm Well, I'm a truth seeker. And why didn't I? I think it's because, like I was going to say, Shane, you're sitting there right now, and if you got up and you left the room i needed to come over and look feel the chair to see if it's warm to see if you were really there when i knew you were sitting there i don't know if that makes any sense
0: no it makes sense yeah that's kind
1: of how i felt with uh with what i saw where i didn't need to prove it to anybody else it it was it was my sighting it was something that i held dear and i I still do to this point to where i'm like you know I'm not trying to prove to the world they would exist because I could take the best video if I were to capture that. Because again, my, bo- my body cam's facing straight, my head is facing slight right. So, of course, when this happens, you'd say Murphy's Law didn't record. But even if it did, how clear would it be? And if you tried to prove it, either if it was a clear picture, people would say it was CGI or it was AI. Or, you know, Jay set this up. So I'm not out there trying to to prove that to anybody. You know, I'd I'd love to, I would have loved to capture it to show my wife so she wouldn't like, you know, roll her eyes at me. Um,
0: Hey, some of those experiences might just be for like you in particular. Like, it might, you know, like out of like a respect thing, like maybe it wanted you to see it just so you had some type of gratification. And it purposely right. did it in a spot where it knew it wasn't going to be recorded, but you were going to see it just so that you you had that. So it's like by going over there and trying to do more, it's almost like disrespecting the fact that it was right choosing that, to let you see I, it in the I, first I, place.
1: Yeah, that's exactly, I think, how I'd feel because, like I said, I have a relationship with the woods. I don't want to say with Bigfoot or Sasquatch, whatever you want to say. I, I, when I go out there, I, this guy who was never... A outdoorsman is is now looking at uh, nature in a whole different level, and I, I think that's exactly what it is. Is because when I'm talking to the woods and I you know hear the raccoon and possum laugh at me when I talk to the woods, is I do believe that maybe they are listening, and that that is that possibility that they wanted me to see them for that one reason. And if I went over there, and I didn't I didn't think this like. Okay, if I go over there, they're going to think this. I I didn't have time to think of that. It was just a natural reaction feeling of thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, There you are. Thank you. I I don't need to go over there and to, to prove it. And, of course, now that, you know, I was so excited about it that I did tell, you know, some people. And then, you know, I did kind of post it on my Facebook that, you know, I was just really excited that I had the opportunity. And, man, did I get ripped a new one. A lot of of people that follow me are good for you, Jay. You know, they're positive. uh, But you you get all those, you know, the trolls that are out there that uh, don't want you to be happy or, you know, to have any of that vindication because they don't believe me. That's fine. So it was one of those things where I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You know, I felt bad. You know, I didn't say where it was at or anything, but it, it was more me trying to, I don't know. Maybe share with people that I was happy. I think that's what it was. I think I was more trying not to prove it, but just kind of say that I was happy uh, with what what it was. But it, you know, backfired in a lot of ways. And it's just, you know, now I just kind of look at it, saying I got more perspective of it after that first week, to where I'm like, yeah, I think this was just for me. You know, I'll talk about it here on on your show, um, but it's not like I'm going to go out of my way to you know, to keep talking about it, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things, too, that it's like it's all about the right community, kind of like we we're talking about before the show, too, that the people that are happy for you are going to be happy for you. But there's always going to be those people that doubt it. And I mean, part of that might be out of the fact that it's like their own jealousy of the fact that they didn't have that experience. Or two, there's always just going to be those people that, you know, they don't have any wonder in the world. They're not. They just live a mundane life, and they just don't want there to be stuff like that that exists because it kind of breaks their own they paradigm. Want, they, they
1: want to live in, yeah, they want to live in a bubble.
0: Yep.
1: And you I mean, know, and that's yeah.
0: Just to throw in something with this thing too, how it kind of vanished behind the tree. Um, just another kind of like animal theory I want to throw in on this one is that polar bears are actually they have clear hair, but it reflects back white because of the environment around them. So if you combine that ability with say something that like we're talking about with like an octopus being able to like change its colors. Um, I mean that could, there's two things in nature that are pretty dang close to it. And if you combine those two together, that could be, it sounds like a woo woo ability, but it's something that could be theoretically possible. I mean, they could have, you know, not necessarily like brown hair, but it might be like a clear hair and they just reflect right. things. And maybe if they' you know, tense up their muscles a little bit, then it looks like a little bit darker of a color. And then if they, like, relax themselves, then it just blends in with the colors that's behind them. And it's not that they, like, fully disappear, so to speak, but just they have, like, a really good active camouflage uh, that's combining other things that, you know, ever seen in nature. And if they could potentially be as old as they are, like we were talking about, they've had years and years of adapting where who knows how far they could be as far as, like, essentially fitting that perfect niche in the woods, especially considering that they're, if, if they are around, they're definitely limited numbers compared to what they used to be. Cause I mean, I guarantee they're a lot more prevalent back in the day than they are now. So it's like, they have to be extra protective. So even with that, like nature's ability to adapt is going to go into overdrive in order to try to keep and preserve, uh, the, the species existing.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, everything you were saying, it's like, I, I've read about, I've, um, had discussions about, and again, we could all be right. We could all be there. I guess there's no wrong answer to it because we really don't know. A lot of times, people, like you were saying, that people want to say, uh, I'm the woo um, because you know, there's the four different camps of Bigfoot. You know, you have the apers, where it's just a flesh and blood primate we haven't caught up with, or the woo, which is more the paranormal Bigfoot, mm. which is the one that can cloak or go through portals or uh, do weird supernatural stuff like that. You know, or three, the extraterrestrial Bigfoot, the uh, Bigfoot was dropped off in their drones. And uh, four, the biblical Bigfoot, which is, could it be the part of the Nephilim fallen angels, the angels that came down mated with the females and had hybrid, not people, not angels, but just the hybrid. Um, and, and that's where the, the special uh, attributes would come from. You know, again, people would automatically look at it. as the woo. But honestly, I think if you're truth seeking and you're and you're out there looking for this, you do have to kind of keep all your options open for everything. You know, I, I'm no I'm no scientist, uh, but you know, I've heard about the polar bear and the hair. Um, you know, but then again, you know, some of the hair strands that have been found over the years and put through DNA came back with a lot of human DNA in it. So you know, are these uh, you know <laughs> again are these going back to Ancient people of the woods that have just adapted to their environment so well that they're able to use it uh, a lot better than we can because we're all, like you were saying about the weather, using a weather app, a car, a phone, whatever. We have the technology blocking us from what they know or what they use. Maybe we would be there too if we were blocked by the technology.
0: I mean, even just to throw in another thing too, I mean, apex predators, they're not in giant numbers and assumably like a Sasquatch would be some form of like an apex predator. So, you know, they'll say that like a lion, for example, will take up like a couple, like a hundred miles square radius. You know, there could just be single one family of sasquatch that's in a hundred mile radius. And the next closest one could be another like 500 miles away for all, you know, and there could just be like a group of four of them. And I mean, if there's only four of them existing in a couple hundred mile radius, like what, what's the likeliness that you're actually going to see those? I mean, even like seeing cougars, stuff like that, like it's rare that people That's see these fair. animals that we 100% know are in specific areas. Like you're still lucky yeah. if you see them. Imagine if there's only four of them.
1: <laughs> yep. And people say that all the time, like, you know, how much activity do I get out, you know, get when I go out there? Well, I said, it all depends. I said, where I go researching could be their gas station, <clears throat> their Walmart, and they're just not shopping that night. They're not there at that exact area. They're in that area. But it is um, like you said, you know, how, how many miles could they actually cover? If you look at the kettle Moraine from the Google Earth perspective, you're like, that's it. You know, you look at the you know, the north great north woods, and then going up into Michigan, you're just like, Whoa, you know, almost like Washington state, or you know, getting over Ohio or you know, these areas. Uh, but the kettle moraine is a lot bigger than what it appears and a lot deeper. It's not just a little forest, you know, well, straight line terrain, uh, going North cause it's 55,000 square acres going a hundred miles North North in the state of Wisconsin. And there is nothing but deep kettles lakes. I mean, it is a paradise. If, we, if you got there, you would say, yeah, Bigfoot." This could be their, their environment for sure. Um, but are they always right there, you know, where I go? No, they're not. I, I, and remember, we were talking about fair chair as well, where we were saying, you know, how far do you go in? You know, how many miles do you hike? And I really think it's all about uh, the patience and what I call the fishing technique. Bring out a camping chair, get out, you know, an eighth of a mile, half a mile, you know, wherever you're comfortable. Sit, wait, throw your bobber out. That fear. Throw your
0: bobber or worm out and just sit there and
1: wait for them to uh, to approach you. And if they don't, you know, then you have one hell of a fish story.
0: Yeah, exactly. At least you had fun while you're doing it. And I mean, it All could right, be one of those yeah. things too. Like uh, I talked to uh, Michael Freeman, Paul Freeman's son, and he was saying that that you know the the Freeman footage. The only reason he captured that was because he went off routine. So, I mean, again, if the, there's an intelligent facts that comes in here, if you're regularly going, you know, every single weekend, for example, then they know what areas to avoid on the weekends because they know there's always going to be people around this area or, you know, if people always yeah. camp in this particular area, but during the week they have that camp area shut off or closed off, you know, they know to avoid that area at certain times, like any animal gets into a routine, it may not even just be, like an intelligence factor, like dogs, for example, like you get dogs on a routine right. they go to the bathroom at the same time every day. They eat at the same time every day. And if you did tear away from that, then they act like, okay, something's off here. So, I mean, why, why would it be any different with these things? Whether you're looking at it from the intelligence factor or the animalistic factor. I mean, if something deters from the schedule, then, you know, they know the schedule of somebody coming to this area every single weekend and they know to like avoid it or watch from a distance then. But the rest of the week when you're not there, they know they can dance around, tramp around the woods. They got nothing to worry about. <laughs>
1: Well, what the good thing is, is that when I get out, it's not just, you know, weekend warrior type of thing. I try to get out um, during the week. It all depends on when and how and who's available. Um, But that's where I have several different areas within uh, a five-mile radius, different areas that I'll visit. And I never hit the same one twice. And I never keep them in rotation or nor the same time. But the cool thing as well is that, you know, if you go out, again, I'm about safety first. Um, whether I'm going out with one other person or two other people, you know, we'll, we'll bring the safety out there with us and some walkies. And what I like to do is uh, do the, what I call the, the leapfrog technique. And it's basically breaking us up by about a hundred yards a piece, just being alone, but, you know, safe within, you know, a distance for either one of us to get to where we need to be within a hundred yards. And it is so rewarding that way because you can do, so many different things that when you're out there with other people, you're you're connecting with the person you're out there with. But when you are alone in the dark, in the pitch dark, and you know somebody else is, you know, maybe a hundred hundred yards away, but when you're out there, it really does bring you in touch uh, with uh, you know, with your surroundings. And I really think that's uh, one of the things that we've been trying to do is. Uh, you know, you're not always trying to do the same thing, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, I'll, sometimes I'll do the the caboose of the leapfrog and be the last one, and before we move, I may go, keep going back the opposite way, further away from the other people, just because you know, if we constantly are leapfrogging forward, who's to say that all of a sudden I'm going to go backwards? If I'm going to wait a minute, what are they doing? You know, if if they happen to be there, sparks some so curiosity move, in them. Yeah. yeah absolutely so it's always, i'm always trying all different you know techniques but again you know for me it's uh it's not trying to prove it to the world you know I, I have my documentaries out and it's you know i didn't get famous or or get um you know a lot of money to go on vacations and cruises with my films i'm just putting that out there for uh my journey and sharing my journey is what i'm trying to do not trying to convince anybody you know it's like you, You've got to get out there and find it yourself or, you know, or if, um, the way I always look at it is people can, if they don't want to, um, hundred percent believe what they hear, they want to see it for themselves, that they need to be out there to be able to see it for themselves. But there's some people out there that'll just believe anything people say. Like if you're listening to my voice now and you believe what I'm saying, okay, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, what do they call it? A used car salesman. I'm not trying to do anything like that. I'm trying to speak the truth on it, but I still encourage everybody to get out there and, and look, look for themselves.
0: I mean, that goes even just beyond Sasquatch is anything in general. It's, uh, just, it's, you can't go about life, just believing everything that everybody tells you. You have to come up with your own answers to things. You have to experience things for yourself and you can't write anything off just because people told you it doesn't exist. Like this is one of those things right. that, comes to ghosts, it comes to aliens, it comes to whatever, like you can't take anybody else's words for it. you have to take your personal experiences with it because you have one person who's never seen anything their entire life and they're never going to believe in anything. And then you have somebody else on the other hand, who's been abducted once and they've seen, uh, you know, they've had rocks thrown at them by Sasquatch. And it's like, you can't take that experience away from them. They know what they saw. And just because you didn't see it doesn't mean that there's not a truth to what they saw.
1: Exactly. Yep. That's, it's the only way you can really approach it. At least that's the way I do. You know, like you were saying, the, big, the biggest thing I think in this field, or fields, I should say, because it extends outside Bigfoot, ghost, and, um, and ufology, is ego. And we, you know, we're human. We all have egos. You know, we want to be right. We want to be heard, and we want to be right. And the thing is, as long as you can humble yourself and keep doing that for you, keep doing it for yourself, and 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 not try to you know try to be humble. Um, and I, I I think sometimes I eat a lot of humble pie all the time because I'm like I'm not the smartest guy out there who's doing this who's you know looking at more of the science based of it and everything like that. There's people that can run circles around me, but they can never say that stones were never thrown at them and experience that. And that's what I hold on to.
0: It's kind of like street smarts versus book smarts, you know, like you can read about something and research something all day long and know every aspect of it, but it's a totally different experience when you actually get out there and start seeing stuff firsthand. And then even with that, you can start throwing stuff out that people have used as previous theories. Like, uh, we were talking about a little bit before the show, like the whole like wood knocking concept, you know, everybody sees that and they assume that that's just the regular part of like how you go squatching same with, you know, yelling whoops into the woods, but You know, like you said, you could be yelling whoops that could be, you know, saying derogatory things towards them that could might be pushing away or making them more angry at you. And even with like the wood knocking and stuff, um, I mean, that could be some type of like a like an aggravated sign that they do trying to like scare people away. So if you're wood knocking back at them, you could essentially be pretty much trying to assert dominance with them. And that could even be making them more mad, too. Or it again makes them want to avoid you because maybe if you're tree knocking louder, they go, all right, there's one bigger over there. I'm going this way then. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and don't ever shake a tree and act like a silverback gorilla, like I did, which was in my first film with Linda Godfrey. You know, it's funny I recorded her shaking a tree because she wanted to shake things up because it was a little quiet and it was during the day. Here's this you know little sixty-seven year old woman trying to shake this sapling and you know and trying to do what the primates do in the wild to show dominance or aggression. Again, this was early on. This was 2014. I was still new into it. And I didn't give her the recorder. I don't know why. I think I just turned it off and put it down and went and just went on the tree. And I shook this thing, man. And I, I was making the sound of a silverback gorilla and just being extremely violent. But that's when, right before I was done, I felt it knocked on, on the side of my head that was facing this little meadow that was going into the woods. And actually, I thought, what the heck? Did a coconut fall off this little sapling? It was September. Um, there was nothing on it except that little uh, you know, pine cone from like last last season was on there. And it was like way nothing.
0: Yeah, say light, it, you would uh, barely even feel a tapia. <laughs> exactly. And this thing,
1: like, it actually left a bump on my head and I had a small concussion from it. It's like,
0: where did that come from? I didn't even know That's- you had a concussion from that. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that was uh, when I was, you know, Linda at first was laughing which this is one of my fondest memories of Linda because, you know, when you're in our generation, you remember Gilligan's Island where Gilligan would shake a coconut tree and a coconut would fall and hit him on the head. And that's what Linda thought when I did that. But I'm like, no, seriously. And I took off my hat and I had a bump on on the left side of my head that was actually facing that area. And again, we didn't find a rock, but there was, you know, too high of... The forest floor so you wouldn't be able to see it anyway but when i took her home it was weird because i have been to her, her house you know several times out there she lived uh, south of those areas and when i dropped her off and i was coming back home uh, or trying to get out of the subdivision all of a sudden i didn't know where i was like i was like wait a minute you know i, I i've been here a hundred times i know the r- route and I tried to put my GPS on; it was a like Garmin at the time, and it was not getting any signal. And I started panicking because I'm like, I couldn't remember. And I mean, eventually, I found my way out of it, but it was it was weird. It was a it was a, a slight concussion, I believe, for sure. So I don't know; the size of the rock would have had to been pretty pretty big to to leave a little knot on my head. You never ended up finding the rock? No, I mean we uh when. The first thing that we did is we stood right back to the area, and I found the the pine cone. And you're like looking on the ground, but the the grass or the the weeds were probably like two feet high, and it was just everywhere. So I mean, you would have to go and mow and get down with a, you know, on your hands and knees and just look and cover all the square acres. But you know, from where I was standing, from our, our radius, we, I couldn't find anything. Say so so even just, you know people. People are like, well, so how do you know it was a rock? Well, you're 100% right. I didn't see it thrown. I didn't see it hit me. I didn't see it out of my peripheral vision fall. All I know is I had a knot on the side of my head. You know, what What would do that? I guess some heavy object, something other than a stone, I got, apparently.
0: Did you... um. End up as you were recording this, obviously, cause it was in the first documentary, but did you yeah. end up picking up like a, like a sound, like it's like, did it sound like it came like up and down or anything? Or did it just like impact, like it was like a big open area?
1: Um, Well, no, well that, at that part, like I said, is when I, after I got done filming Linda, I think I turned my recorder off and just put it on the path and then I walked over and did it. So. I had no recording of of that with Linda. The following week, what's different was uh, it was was supposed to be me, Sanjay, and Linda. But Linda wasn't feeling good that day, so she did not go. And it was just me and Sanjay. And we were walking, exploring the kettle. This was a beautiful September um, afternoon getting into the evening, but not totally dark. And he kept saying, are there acorns falling? And I think I might've just said, yeah, I think so. But I wasn't hearing him. I think he was just listening and hearing him. So these little things were being tossed at us pretty much on our whole hike, which is pretty extraordinary if you know the terrain of this to where I don't care if you're a Navy SEAL, there's no way you're going to keep up with us and to be able to find a spot to where you could throw something and let us land at our feet. And that's what was happening is near the end of our journey uh, on these paths, these things started landing by our feet and you could see them. And at this point I was still new into Bigfoot, but I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So where did this come from? Because you really didn't hear it go through the trees. And then we'd be walking another hundred yards or so. And you're, you're always moving and there's always the terrain on the side of you. And here comes another one right by our feet right in between us and this happened about three or four times to where I finally we were still walking and they stopped and I'm like well I'm like screw this I'm gonna pick up a rock and I'm gonna throw it out right to where these rocks are coming from and so you know I pick up that rock and I whip it and I hit the side of a tree which I can hit the side of a barn if I tried. so I was lucky but it made a loud popping sound and Sanjay's like oh that's pretty good and I'm like yeah watch they're gonna hit me and I was referring to the week prior when I was with Linda. Watch, they'll hit me because I just threw this rock. By the time I got done saying rock, and this is where you heard it, the trajectory of a barrage of these rocks were being whipped through the trees and you can just hear them, you know, just coming right at me and they all landed right by my feet. And again, I was recording, but I wasn't recording like a GoPro. I was just kind of holding it. So, you know, it's not like I, you know, put the whole cam down right by my feet, but I saw where the rocks bounced. And I mean, at that point, I didn't care if it was a Bigfoot or a person. I did not want to get hit with a rock again.
0: It seemed yeah. like they're almost testing you to like you threw the rock and they were like, all right, you can hit the side of a tree, but I can land at your feet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Each time. I mean, that's, you got to think about the possibility and the probability. So a lot of people that I would tell that to just saying, Jay, there's just people out there effing with you. They're just messing with you. And, uh, you know, I talked, I I also put a a skeptic um, uh, lifelong hunter who, you know, hunts Alaska and all that. And uh, I got him in my first documentary saying what he does. And he goes, well, when he sits in a stand and he wants to uh, get a rabbit out of a bush, he'll have some stones and he'll throw them in the bush to scare the rabbit out so he can take a shot. Okay. So, all right that's all fine and dandy, but we were constantly moving. And the possibility, could a person have been out there throwing it? You could say, sure, I didn't see a Bigfoot do it. But the accuracy each time. It was, you know, none of them ever hit us and none of them ever went beyond us. They just landed by our feet. And if you knew the type of trails I was on, they're going up, down, windy. And that would mean that somebody in there would have had to have been keeping up through this terrain of the kettles and everything like that. There's just not probable. I just look at that as no, that's not even a possibility that it was a person in my opinion.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't take it that way either. And I mean, Mm -hmm. exactly. I like the, the, the description you use from the hunter too. I mean, it could have simply just been that too. You're, you're in its brush and it was just trying to scare you out of the brush And the reason they kept throwing it along the path is because it was trying to continue you moving along the path. Because if, you know, it stops throwing the rocks, then you're going to sit. You're going to kind of look around and try to figure out where it's coming from. But if you're getting constantly berated with rocks, you're not really taking the time to really sit and try to figure out where it's coming from. You're just trying to keep moving along so you don't get hit by a rock.
1: Yeah, you know, the way I always looked at it, too, is no matter who it was or what it was, then why throw a rock if we if you were already observing two men walking through the woods and they're just going to keep going, they don't look like they're going to stop and get off the path and ruin anybody's party. Why would you even want to, you know, make yourself known by throwing a rock and us going, Hey, where did that come from? Let's stop right here. Let's look in there. Let's investigate. You know, that, that to me doesn't make sense. If it was a person, you always say it was somebody on the lamb, right? Somebody break, you know, Stayed away from the law. They don't want you by them. Don't make yourself known them by throwing rocks at me. Right?
0: I mean, also too, it could have just been juveniles trying to have fun. Because I mean, just comparing it to like kids normally, kids throw rocks at buildings for fun. They throw rocks at windows for fun you know, kids will even throw rocks at each other for fun. I mean, that's again, probably like dating myself back in the day when, uh, you know, used to throw rocks at each other for fun, but you know, <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's definitely a possibility too, that it was just young juveniles just trying to entertain themselves.
1: A lot of people will say that, you know, when I was deer hunting and you ever saw a, uh, a buck that, um, you know, nice eight point buck, real big rack, right? You knew he was smart. He was able to survive every one of these deer hunting seasons by staying back. And that's what I would think that the, uh, the older or adult Bigfoot would do. Just stay back. You'll never get caught. Just don't worry about it. But like you said, you know, and that's one of my hypotheses, too, is that um, is, is it possible that it was, you know, the juveniles, the, the ones that are more curious. That's always a possibility. I never like to say exactly that's what it was, but all I can tell you is the experience that I had. is rocks came from out of the woods, and they landed by our feet each time. And I, I don't—I wouldn't even know how you could do that. Um, you know, my my son, who was in the first documentary, said, "How about the aim of the accuracy?" You know, he goes, "You could stand right here, and and try to throw that little stone, and try to hit that tree with all in between all this." brush and everything like that there's no way you're going to go around that right you're going to try to be as accurate as you can but most likely you're going to hit something else that's going to uh to to pivot uh the object coming at you going away from you or something but how are these things getting right through all the trees through all the branches through everything to land by my feet each and every time that's it's remarkable
0: i mean it could be again practice too for uh again like it could be some form of like a hunting method that they use too. I mean, they could use, be doing the same stuff that people are doing. They could have learned from people. Maybe people even learned from them in the first place how to do these different types of hunting techniques. So, of course, you're going to have to practice in order to be able to get that accurate And, I mean, especially if they're juveniles, too, they don't have that consideration of, like, oh, no, what if we get caught? They're just trying to, like, have fun. They're like, ooh, a moving target. But, I mean, more often than not, it seems like, you know, people find, like, the 16, 18-inch footprints, but then there's always, like, the weird ones that people find that are, like, 24 inches or so. And I'm a firm believer in the fact that if there are older Bigfoot, I don't think that people have really seen them. I mean, there's, like, the Goliath one that people talk about, but I think that's one of the only, like older Bigfoots that are actually seen because they have years and years and years of practice on how to not get seen. And if they get bigger and they get to be like 12 feet, of course they have to be really, really good hiders. And like you were saying with the deer thing, I mean, again, even if it's a beast, if it's a man, if it's a mix between the two, there's still the animal intelligence factor and the human intelligence factor that could both be coming into consideration in the same spot. And if they're intelligent enough to observe and watch other animals and their behavior to learn from them, you know, they see that the deers that live the longest stay at the farthest back, like you were saying. So why wouldn't they act the same? I mean, they migrate the same as everything else does. They interact the same as anything else does. So why, if there is an intelligence factor, why wouldn't they pick and choose certain things that other animals do in order to build up their ability to do things? Cause I mean, realistically humans have done that too. We've learned how to do a bunch of different stuff from watching other animals do stuff and we've put it into practice and do stuff that works for us off of that.
1: And that's exactly right. And that, again i guess that's the whole part of uh holding on to the data to going out and research to be able to document this to be able to say has this happened before and uh and then you're listening for other people's uh, encounters uh you know their their encounters if if they've had something um similar and um I really think that's one of the things that I try to do is I, I try to look for, uh, you know, how similar some of these things are. And, and I've heard so many cases that when I hear this, where it happened in Georgia or it happened in Tennessee? But it was like, that sounds like it happened here in the Kettle Moraine in Wisconsin. How, you know, how unique would that be? Or is it, or, or you know, are they the same? Are we experiencing the same exact thing? And um, that there has always just been, it, I guess it just, it, it fascinates me to no end because I just focus here right in Southeast Wisconsin. I don't go anywhere else. I just listen to other reports around everywhere else, but I just focus on what's right here, what's right in front of me. And I have not been able to debunk that. Cause remember I go out and I say, I'm not a squatcher i'm a truth seeker if i find out you know somebody's been out there hoaxing ahead of me or anything well it would be disappointing but at least i would have my answer you know what i'm saying
0: i mean that would be an elaborate hoax for for what just uh just to troll one specific guy that's a lot of work just to just to troll one person. Like, I I don't know why somebody would go that far above and beyond just to troll somebody.
1: I I know I'm not that special again. I'm just Jay. (laughs) You you don't have to do that to me, but it's something to share because here's the other thing. All right. Being out there, um, I've encountered the smell four different times and it is, is rancid is what some people say. Uh, If you've ever heard anybody say, what it smells like to me what it smelled like is if you're let's say you were carving some raw chicken to make soup or whatever or to make fried chicken and you took the leftover chicken and you threw it in the garbage and you forgot about it for about three days and then you open up the container where you just threw that raw chicken in for three days it had such a pungent smell that um you know if i want to throw in their feces or somebody had i don't know bad diarrhea swamp uh it smelled like death it really did and this death followed us with no wind uh for at least uh from from the area that we were in about eight eight hundred yards from all the twists and turns and everywhere we'd go it'd be there then it wouldn't it'd be there slightly a little later And then it would go away. You could stand there. There was nothing there. And then it would come at you with a ton of just overwhelm you to almost want to make you puke. And then you'd walk back to where it kind of smelled just a little bit. And it wasn't there. Walk back another hundred yards. And it's fully there. So it's kind of, it's there. And it was intermittent as we were going along. You know, and a lot of people, like I said, there was no wind. Um, Again, I was out there with somebody that. There's absolutely no wind and still, but there is air current. You're out in the woods. It's an uncontrolled environment. It's a very deadly environment if there's going to be prey, You know, if there's a fresh kill laying there. Um, but how the smell can follow you, some people would say, well, it's a coyote or a wolf or something dragging it along with you. When it's that quiet out there with no wind, you hear everything. So again, this is what a lot of people have said about the smell of smelling Bigfoot when they're around. But I really don't think it's, in my opinion, again, this is just my opinion, but it's kind of a a unique take on it. But um, I look at that smell not being a defense mechanism, you know, like most would say because, you know, Bigfoot would be the apex predator of the woods, 100%, right? King of the castle. King of his domain, right? So why would it have to have an odor? But then it started dawning on me. Is it possible that this is more of a female smell that is more of an either an excitement or, I don't want to say breeding or anything because that gets kind of crazy there. But, you know, it's not like in any other instances that I've had rocks thrown at me or shadows or anything that I've ever smelt it um it was just in some very odd situations and it usually it was with me and just you know another guy you know that would go so it was always like males and then we would smell this so i'm thinking you know is it possible that it's you know a female because they don't have to let off any type of skunk smell or anything like that they don't they're not afraid of us right they're again they're the masters of the woods they're the apex predator so why deliver a smell and that's the only thing i could come up with but uh you know it's just w- one you know if you've never heard that before it's one i wanted to share
0: i mean honestly you're on the same method of thinking that i've been with is that i think that they secrete the smell intentionally and the reason that i kind of geared towards it was kind of I, not necessarily like a protection thing but more so in a way like uh like marking their territory But marking their territory in the aspect of, like, if there's a female present, you know, they want to give off their pungent odor in the aspect of, again, like, this is my female and this is my area. And the only time that they get protective and give off that smell is if there's one of their females in the area. And it's not so much that they're trying to, I don't want to say mark their territory, but in a way, like, mark their territory with, like, the female. So they're giving off the pungent smell in a way to be like, I'm the most manly here. I'm the alpha you know get away from my area because this is my female you smell me because i'm i'm the one who's like the tough musky one pretty much that, that that's the impression i got so see,
1: yeah see the thing is i i like the the woman one more because having a man do that while two two of us men were out there is kind of frightening you know that that only happens in the backwoods of kentucky maybe but um <laughs>
0: <laughs> what's what's that <laughs> so good like, phrase from uh, without I, a paddle we're at the corner but and you got a mouth. <laughs> You know
1: it's just like I, I I, hear a banjo paddle faster, paddle faster. Um, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> with, yep. Exactly. But the thing is it's like that's the only thing I can really think of, uh, just because they are like apex predators. That's what I believe. Um they're not afraid of anything. They don't need to to do that without but then again it's like if they did just have to mark their territory with that um bring more attention to them. That's, that's the other thing. Like, you know, like you were saying, if they could mark their territory or whatnot, or, you know, sort so of speak, but I'm like, you know, but that would be giving them away. That's what I always think of. They always want to be the hide and seekers. They always want to hide.
0: Unless, Unless they, they can they secrete it see them. and then pull it back in. Possibly like maybe they can, yeah. it, they don't mark it on something, but it's just like a pheromone that they give it's, off it's, and then they can right like, that. It's a part of them.
1: Yeah man that's exactly it because there's a lot of other encounters that I've heard that people have run into these you know if you keep listening over and over and over um, that people say they've seen them and they were 10 feet away but they did not smell them so that's the behavior that I'm looking for really is the the why you know to be able to use and again I don't know I, I just I like to think that that might be that possibility whether it is male or female, for whatever reason, I'd like to know the the behavior of why they do it.
0: I mean, it could even be one of those things too where – it's uh like an attracting pheromone, you know what I mean? Like um right, right. Like they're giving it off because they know that the only thing that's familiar with that smell is another Sasquatch and maybe it's one of those things that they have a heightened sense of smell like most animals. Like I think people had a way more heightened sense of smell until we started, you know, moving into cities and doing things where we were around right. like our own filth and waste and we almost needed to dilute ourselves from the smells. But if they're, you know, they give off a pheromone, something that's, you know, it catches downwind, we know how strong animal smells can be, you know, a Sasquatch two miles away, if they just give off a quick little burst of a pheromone, they can smell it, they know the direction that they're coming from, and it could just be a quiet way of marking, you know, like, hey, I'm over here, come over here without having to do like a whoop or like a tree knock or whatever. But I, I still kind of get the impression that like tree knocking is a sign of aggression.
1: So you're saying a quiet way, so you'd call that a silent
0: but deadly? Ooh, good one. I see what you did there. <laughs> That's <laughs> so actually what it is. Like, it's a Sasquatch fart. That's why it stays and lingers and then it disappears.
1: <laughs> it disappears. But I'm telling you, it was like, it was enough to make me gag. And But again, when it comes down to it, people will say, well, you didn't see what smelled. So again, you people think that I'm just going to come to my own conclusions, which, you know what? You're right. You do this enough and you do enough um observing i don't call it squatching you do enough observing out there over 10 years i always say if you are a deer hunter and before deer hunting you want to put a a cam out for recon you're going to find those deer same thing with turkey you want to know where the turkey are you do your recon before hunting starts you're going to find your turkey and i believe same thing with bigfoot i think that if you go out there and you are patient and you have that open mind that most likely you're gonna have a run in with something very strange or at least the beginning of your journey um, going out there and seeking it so again I've always said uh, you know my first film finding Jay you know is a, it is, is a take uh, a playoff Bigfoot words um, from a Bigfoot perspective is that when I'm going out there you know and I'm I'm hunting rabbit right? No, I'm, just looking for the truth. I'm looking for the truth. I, I want to find Bigfoot. I don't think we'll ever find it. But I think if we're patient enough and we, we, we give it that trust, um, then I think Bigfoot will find us, therefore finding Jay or finding Shane. Um, and that's just how, how I approach every time I go out there is I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be as human as I can. Respectful, honestly, <laughs> you know, when I'm out there. But, you know, to, to just be me and if um, if there is any type of that connection or encounter from that, great. If not, we've always said we have a great fish story or a great hiking story or whatever we're doing out there.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things, too, where I feel like um, like I don't necessarily want anybody to like know it as mainstream because it's just going to be one of those things that... You know, you know how people are. Like they're going to try to find them. They're going to try to like dissect them. They're going to try to do whatever, and it's not going to be good for them. I think that the whole Sasquatch thing, just like the the Native Americans knew, it's one of those things that's only particularly meant for certain people. And if there is an intelligence factor to these things, I mean, I'm sure that they're fully aware of that too. And that's how they've been around for so long. And that's how they're able to survive still is because they don't want to be seen by the forefront because they're fully aware of what breaking that barrier will do. And again, it's just, you want that mystery in the woods and you don't want anybody to dilute it and tear it apart and basically harm these things or start putting them in zoos, anything like that. Like they're best left in nature alone And just to exist amongst the people who care enough and observe these things for what they are and are wanting to leave them alone. Because, I mean, you know, you hear a lot of people who are like, there's the cryptozoologist and then there's like the cryptid hunters. There's the people that have the intention that they want to go out and they want to hunt a Bigfoot. Like, I don't agree with those types of people. It's one of those things that it's like, if it is this hard to find, it's clearly some form of an endangered species. So, like, the best way to conserve that thing is to let it exist where it does out in nature. It's not to capture it and keep it in the zoo somewhere.
1: (laughs) Yep. Live and let live. Right.
0: And I mean, even if they're intelligent too, like that's a whole other moral, moral code of putting them into, into a zoo or something like, you know, even if they can't directly communicate with you, it's almost like that idea of like, um, you know, settlers back in the day, taking like cultures that they thought were like primitive and like putting them on in like freak shows and things like that like there's just because there's a language barrier and you're not humanizing them because you can't have a conversation with them doesn't mean that they don't feel emotions the same way that you would so i mean essentially by discovering these things and trying to conserve them by putting them in zoos you could essentially be imprisoning these things and you could be killing off their numbers because at that point it's like what's what's their will to live if they're used to having an entire forest to exist in it's like taking somebody that's had the whole world to explore and then you put him inside of his cell for solitary confinement like what's what, what's going to be better off for that for that thing like at that point it's gonna it's not going to want to be around anyways because it's not really getting to enjoy its life
1: yeah well th- that's when you uh bring it to the uh hollow earth like uh kong and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh um, i'm joking there uh, but then again, who knows? I, I you know, I, I always fancy that idea with that uh, Godzilla versus Kong, with a, uh, you know, the Middle Earth, the uh, Hollow Earth, or anything. Because uh, a lot of people do ask. It's like, what do you think? There's subterranean, and they live underground. And I always sometimes think of um, the little trap doors. I don't know if you remember the movie Red Dawn back in nineteen. Yep. With Patrick Swayze, where they would be hiding the Wolverines. You know, hiding in the field, they would have the trap doors open up. Um, and, you know, I was thinking there's a lot of places, many, many places in the kettle that we have not been able to explore to be able to say, you know, are there caverns? What are we walking on out there? You know, the, 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 the whole kettle was created by the glaciers uh, that created the great lakes, um, and left these impressions, you know, that's the kettles, what they are now that form the lakes and everything. But I always think. we're on these big kettles like what's in the kettles you know is it hollow is there a cavern system uh those are still things that i'm still exploring uh just to see because i think you have to turn over every stone with this mystery
0: and i mean it could simply be one of those things too that the reason why you don't find these things is it seems like more often than not they are prevalent in areas where there's mountains where there's caves where there's different things like that and if these things are significantly stronger than us the reason why we, quote, haven't found them, so to speak, could simply be because they go inside a cave and they're able to move a boulder in front of where they stay at. And, you know, people That's that are exploring easy. the cave, they walk right past it and go, oh, giant boulder can't go that way anyways. Nothing's been through there. And on the other side of that wall could literally be a living space of Sasquatch, for example, and I've even thrown yeah. this one out. People don't say. People say, "Like, where are the bodies? Why can't we find bodies?" If yeah. there's any sense of intelligence to these things, too, they could have burial rights. There's mounds all over the woods, everywhere. You walk over them all the time. Nobody even thinks about them. You could be walking over right. Sasquatch burial grounds all the time and never even be yeah. aware of it. Right.
1: That's that. You're 100 percent right. That's how you'd always have to approach it. You know, people would always say that's. Again, a great theory or you know, the way you're going to approach that. But again, I believe they have intelligence. I believe that when they do die, when they die, I don't think they're immortal, so they would have to die. You know, I don't think they're like elephants where they just go to the elephant graveyard and just die. I think where, wherever they die, they are picked up and moved to a burial, some sort of, like you were saying, a, a burial rite somewhere that people will just not find them. And again, by their strength to be able to put something on them, even let's say it was, you know, out in the kettle and uh, it wasn't by mountains or anything, but there are huge rocks and something just laying there. It could be right under there. And we just would just go about it because we would leave that be the way it is out, out in the woods.
0: I mean, we're always finding weird stuff in caves. There's always these theories about like, oh, finding giant bones in caves. I mean, some of these giant bones could theoretically actually have been like Sasquatch bones. And maybe their burial rites is that they, you know, make some, there's some type of like a catacomb inside of like yeah. caves, for example. And when somebody passes away, they'll lay them down in a specific cavern and close off the door and call it a day. Call
1: it a day. <laughs> we'll, vi- we'll visit you next year on your death day.
0: But it, the- we'll leave you flowers at your rock outside.
1: Okay, <laughs> can you imagine? I'll leave you a glyph. Who knows you know like you see these weird wooden stick glyphs that are that i have found out in the woods that i'm just like it's not natural you know i again i would never look at it saying the wind and the rain and the snow created this interweaving but some of the things are just so weird out there that what what does that mean you know they like you were saying if they were going to leave something for a burial or something who knows what they would leave and maybe that would be one of them, some sort of glyph.
0: I mean, there's all the Cairns, too, that people find everywhere. Maybe the Cairns the might be some form of markers. Those might be their form of, like, gravestones, for example, you know? I mean, they put them up yeah. on high points. I mean, depending on what it is, maybe they bury them in a low spot, and then they put a Karen at a high point, and maybe that's, like— you know, they're equivalent to like a cross, like reaching out to whatever they believe in, because that's something I've never even heard anybody talk about is if there is an intelligence factor to these things, maybe they do have some form of like spirituality or like a religion. And I mean, they used to communicate with the Native Americans. I mean, my my grandma used to tell me a bunch of different stories. She was 100% Cherokee, and uh, she'd talk about how these things would speak a language that was extremely close to like Native American, and she was told by her grandma and her great grandma and stuff that, you know, the Native American language was derived from Sasquatch language. I mean, again, who knows how intelligent these things could be. They could have essentially even helped like the natives make it so that they could live the land because there's even more stories about um, basically making connections with Sasquatch and them helping you survive the rest of the rest of the year, they'll give you warnings of like new things to come. They'll tell you, Oh, there's going to be flooding in this area. So you need to farm over in this area. And uh, part of like the whole legend with that is that you uh, sing a song. I don't remember the exact name of the song. It's a it's a song that's in native tongue, but you sing a song that's supposed to lure them in. And then once you lure them in and they're watching from a distance, then you sing a separate song. That's basically telling them it's okay. And that you can come up to me. And there was this story about how you put your finger out and you guys would touch fingertips. And with that, they would bestow knowledge on you for the next year on how to survive and new things that were going to come. So again, there could be a whole spiritual factor to these things beyond that. They could have their own form of a religion. Like who knows? I mean, they could have essentially helped the natives like base their premise on how to survive off the land for all we know.
1: Oh yeah. I agree. Well, well, well put that way because I I always look at it saying, you know, you were saying about uh, the native tongue uh, a couple of years ago when my I took my son out. He was younger. Well, actually, it was 2017, so it wasn't a couple of years ago. And my youngest daughter out. And during the day, you know, I want people to know that I'm not using my kids as bait for bigfoot. Uh, some people have said that. And uh, so we'd go for a short little hike out there. And sure enough, you wouldn't believe that uh, my kid, because I'm a big 80s guy my son starts singing uh, sweet dreams are made of this right? <laughs> and, and he's singing it and he's saying sweet dreams. And as we're walking around is when he said he saw a sighting of this object running or kind of stepping, running through the woods, right. As he was singing that. So of course I'm like, all right, kids through with their dad. They know what I'm doing. Get attention. Dad, there's a Bigfoot, Right. Um, but he generally he genuinely looked kind of shaken up a little bit. So I record everything. I document everything at that point. That's what you see in my first documentary. I try to get his is the best what he's feeling right at that point. And that's when he was explaining things, and I'm like, okay, you know, maybe he's fabricating. You know, he's, like, he's a kid, right? But as I'm filming this, is when I see that dark image in the background, and it was weird because it was a it wasn't something that was telling me like you heard a mind speak, you know, Bigfoot's talking to you and its language telling you something. No, no, no. This was a feeling. It was Jay, get your kids and, and leave. Just leave. All right. Just go. And that's what that's what I was feeling when I was recording Blake tell his story about this and me capturing that in the background. And that's when I saw the, you know, the the dark image back there. And I was just like, something's not right. And it was weird because, you know, I'm out there all the time, so I'm very confident. And I'm, you know, Papa Bear, when I'm out there with my kids, watch them like a hawk. And we ended up leaving and everything. But it was really weird, you know. So, again, that goes to what you were saying about your grandmother and uh, talking about being able to sing to them, bring them in and change it up. I don't know what you know the rhythmics had on this, but it was something. I don't know if it was just because it was a little kid singing. I don't know.
0: I mean, catchy tune. I have uh, I got a few different people that I talked to um, actually shot out. I don't know if he listens to the show, but I've been in communication with him for a while. Uh, his name's Ronald Roseman. He uh, has a spot where he communicates with these things, and he says that some of the best luck he has is when he goes by himself and he plays guitar in the woods, and he says that he can – he, he's said that he can hear what sounds like them dancing off in the distance and moving around, but not like aggravated moving, like happy moving, like anything. It they, Everything enjoys music. Yeah. I mean, it, go, it goes down to plants. I mean, they've proven that like certain plants will grow better. If you play specific music, um, animals, you know, you can calm animals down by playing music. You can calm down, people by playing music music is the universal language for everything so why wouldn't it be the same as sasquatch i mean if you play an aggravated song you're going to aggravate them if you play a calming relaxing song of course they're going to draw it in and of course they're going to be curious too because it's like in the woods when do you really hear stuff like that i mean they may have their own form of singing but if you hear a totally different voice it's almost like a just being enthralled by a sound, you know, like you hear a new instrument you've never heard before. And of course you're going to be fascinated and curious with it. And especially if it's a comforting, peaceful sound, like why wouldn't you want to come and investigate it? You know, that's oh, most legends that I've heard have I'll, I'll, talked about frequency and singing. And it calls these things in because they enjoy it.
1: I'll do the, the John Kuzak of uh, say anything. I'll uh, get on my phone and I play this really nice cowboy song. It's just acoustic guitar. As if a cowboy was singing by a campfire called Coyote, or Coyotes is the name of the song. And I just crank it up, and I do the say anything. I just lift it up. It is such a soothing man singing a guitar song, as if it was by fire. That's it, just soothing. And I, and I try to do that because, like, like you were saying, you know, you don't want to be playing, you know, Alice in Chains or anything like that. You know, uh, you know, something that's going to be kind of you go know, up, beat, aggravate, or something like that. It's just a soothing, right? Uh, music soothes a savage beast. and uh, But also, it's the feeling that I'm feeling listening to this, right? So it's not just for them, but it's me listening to it and being soothing. And if they can read that, that I'm a non-threat, that's like the next step I want to take in, into more of a, a contact approach.
0: I mean, that's a, that's one thing that I feel like people should almost, uh, like there's a lot of native American stories about drawing men with music and then making that next step of communication. Once they're drawn in with like a different type of song, um, you know, there's a lot of legends about it, but I haven't heard a lot of researchers trying to figure out what that pattern might be. Like maybe there's a specific like frequency or like melody that draws them in. And then there's another one that makes them feel safe. I mean, just like, just like people, you know, certain frequencies, certain sounds make you feel certain ways. You know, maybe, maybe that's one of the tricks that somebody needs to start trying to work on and figure out because, again, there's legends of it. So why wouldn't it work now? Um, try to find a song that draws them in because it's peaceful, you know, like siren song, so to speak. And then once they're up in your presence and you know that they're around, you hear them moving – then you play a different song that kind of gives them that like emotional tie that makes them, you know, know that you're not harmful at all and that you're curious about them. And uh, maybe there's a way that we can find a way to communicate with them and break that language barrier through the way that specific sounds make us feel. Cause I mean, it seems like it's it's pretty universal with people, with plants, with animals. You play like classical music, for example, and it makes you think. It makes you wonder, and that's what works with plants. But you play like heavy metal, for example, and then the plants get irritated and angsty. So, it's a universal emotion that goes across everything. So you got to find music that makes you feel a specific way, and then try it on them, and it might end up working and breaking that language barrier with them.
1: Yep, and that, that's exactly it. That's basically it's because it's what I'm doing. It's not so much what you know, Expedition Bigfoot's trying or this researcher, that that researcher, which is all good. I don't knock anything. It's basically me, what my, my feeling is going to be uh, when I'm out there, you know, trying to be in that, that right frame um, to be able to consciously make that contact. You know, again, people are like, well, you, Jay, that's just stupid. You know, you're either going to get yourself killed or you're going to be trying this until you're 102 it's never gonna work um, some of the uh, Native Americans I've talked to up here um, you know they said well maybe it's just again from what they hear from their elders is that possibly it's just the code not to never to intermingle with us ever ever you know I don't know all the the, the beliefs the legends you know of, in the past that we were saying that Sasquatch only just used to work with um, Native Americans um, until You know, we came, the the white man came and, you know, took everything over. And at that point, they're like, no, we don't trust these guys. So maybe that still holds true.
0: And I mean, these things are seen across continents, too. So, I mean, like, you know, just because they have base in Native American lore, as far as like North America goes, doesn't mean that they haven't learned what other cultures are capable of from other places. Because, I mean, you know, you have the Yowie, you have the Yeti in the Himalayas. Um, you know, maybe all of these things, just like people, they all started off in one location and then they started spreading out. And then as they spread out, they all adapted to fit into different environments, Um, Like prime example that I always talk about on the show is like the skunk ape, for example, you know, talk about prime fitting your environment. That thing looks like Spanish moss. There's not a better way to hide. And then the ones in like the Northwest are tall and lanky and they fit in with the trees. Uh, The ones in Australia, they seem like from descriptions that I've heard of people, they're more of like that dusty kind of red color that fits in with Australia. So again, just like people they could have all started one location, kind of learned what all the cultures were like, and then just adapted to fit their perfect niche of where they're trying to exist at in nature.
1: Absolutely. That's good. See, We're cracking this whole
0: code. Yep. See, this is one of my favorite things about the show that I was saying before we started the show is that rather than doing like a typical interview show, I like these exchanges of thought because this is how I feel like we really kind of get somewhere as far as like the research goes um, is just by bouncing thoughts off of people. And if you're doing like the same show with the same people all the time, like, you know, you're just you're repeating the information, you're getting it out there, which is obviously really important, but you're not really like progressing the research it's these in-depth deep conversations that really you feel like you're starting to possibly get somewhere you have new things you could possibly try and also just to throw that out there um maybe something yeah. that you could possibly try too is uh, just a form of communication you know you hear about people gifting uh to these things and you know they always say to like avoid foods and stuff like that because they'll become dependent on it but if these things have an interest in music and frequency and sound Um, You know, maybe even somebody try to gift uh, some form of like a music box, you know, like a crank Mm -hmm. little music box or something. And, uh, you know, you could stand in the middle of an open clearing if you know they're around, you know, crank the box, kind of show them how it works, leave it somewhere. And then maybe, you know, a year from now, six months from now, maybe off in the distance, you'll hear that music box again, you know, and maybe that could be a way of, you know, communicating with them through like music and frequency and giving them an opportunity to be able to produce these sounds themselves. And, maybe they'll have a newfound respect for you because they obviously really, really enjoy music. But if you give them their own way to play music, that isn't like a battery that's going to die, you know, that could be like one of the, like the ultimate gifts for them. That is just like a right. whole other level of gifting to them.
1: Yeah. I mean, generally whenever, whenever I get out there, um, I have a hand signal that I do. Uh, when I first started this, you know, 10 years ago, I had a whole big rig, big light, you know, my, uh, HD, uh, my thermal, everything on here, right? And I'm just walking around at night looking for Bigfoot. Why isn't Bigfoot coming out? You know, because that's so well, I was very, I think, aggressive because it was like I wanted to see. Um, but it, that took me about a year and a half to really kind of step back from it, going, you know what? I've got to I've got to be hands free. Even if I put a body cam on and audio somewhere on me, I didn't want to carry all this stuff anymore. So I wanted to be hands-free. So, I started out, and this was the first time I went out this way. And it actually started out as a joke a little bit. I looked at the woods and I'm like, I put my hands up like this, kind of like stick them out, but like this. And then I I turned my hands saying, "Uh, See, nothing in my hands. I just want to show you. I'm not tricking you, even though I had it here and here. I'm like, I'm not tricking you. (laughs) And then I would give him a wave. Now, while that started out as a joke in 2014, almost 2015, I've been doing that same uh hand wave to them every time i come in and every time i leave for since 2015 so what is it eight years now eight years of this time i've been really kind of focusing on uh the identification of me first that way whenever i'm bringing new people and they know it's me they trust me they'll trust these the people so now it's like okay so when is the 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 main contact going to happen because remember i always hike with somebody because safety first but about a year ago, um, in January, I said, you know what? Uh, you know, I told my wife, who said, you know, if I ever died in the kettle, she'd kill me. But I took a morning um, to where I go out there myself and just sit myself. And what they say when you go out naked, that means naked without the technology. So again, I slowly had an audio device on me, but I'd be out there by myself. And I figured... Out of all times, this was what two thousand, late two thousand twenty, early two thousand twenty-one, when I started doing that in January, and I'm like, if this is gonna be the time for contact, it's gonna be right now. I'm not with anybody. I don't have any, you know, video going. I have nothing going. This, this is me. I am here. Come talk to me. I believe you. And nothing ever happened. So I'm like, oh well, I guess that's that's the code. Don't talk to Jay. Um, But, you know, then other things happened, you know, since that time that helped validate it again, like my sighting I had just this past March. Um, So I really, you know, that's what I'm saying is I really don't know uh, which way it's going to go. I know they know me uh, to be able to give them something like you were saying about gifting. Um, I've done that with food, but I've also done that with marbles. Uh, Actually recorded it thinking that they moved all these marbles and everything and then we went back to the to the To the cam, to the trail cam, and found out it was the raccoons playing with
0: them. Yep, <laughs> found them interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, they found them interesting and everything. But we know, of course, they're big marble, so they couldn't ingest them or anything like that. So it's always, yeah, you know, it's like I always think of, um, like you were saying about if you're going to give them some sort of instrument, it would, you know, it's weird, but uh, you know, it's a, you figure if they're so big, right, they're going to break anything they touch. I always think of like. Harry of the Hendersons, Yep, you know, anything that Harry touches, he's just going to crack and break. So it's like, what could you give that, you know, could be like um, musically or just a a toy to play with And I kept thinking like a duck call, those wooden ones, pretty, you just blow into it. So I'm like, you know, that's something that if you showed them how to do that and put it down there, you know, of course, then they would get really good at the duck call. And then you'd be like, "That was my duck calling." I'm like, Jay, you're out in the woods, not playing around here all the time. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, but yeah. So it's exactly what you're saying. It's like I like to try the the different, you know, non invasive approaches or the aggressive approaches to it. Just me being out there, keep getting used to me, and you know, it, and I always say to people that this is, it's going to take me a lifetime, and maybe longer. Maybe I'll have a legacy with my kids following in my footsteps, seeking the truth that way too. Who knows? But, um, you know, that, that's what I'm saying is any, anything that I hear that I'm open to, um, like you were saying, just about anything is I don't look at it as I never tried that. So my ego is going to get in front of me saying, well, yeah, you're, I never tried that. No, that's actually a good idea. Let's try it. Just keep evolving all the time. Don't mm-hmm. stay stagnant, you know, with what you do.
0: Yeah, it's the only way you're ever going to get anywhere with it. And you saying that whole thing about them possibly breaking stuff because they have bigger hands, just another possible instrument that might be a good thing for them to be able to communicate, those uh, little finger boards where it kind of looks like a xylophone, but it has little pieces of metal that you pop down with your finger. Oh, yeah. And it makes like the ting, 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 because that's pretty durable, and all they'd have to do is just push their finger down on it, and it'd be really easy for them to interact with. That might be, if you can find one, you know, at a dollar store at a Salvation Army, it might be something you could leave for them.
1: It would be so cool, you know, and, and, and to see that. Remember I was telling you about my hand movement uh, or my hand signal that I do? One day, that's what I'm thinking, is my first contact will be, st- it'll be stepping out on a path, and all of a sudden I'll see it pick its arms up and, and do its wave, and I'll be like, wait a minute, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. First con- first contact, you know, then, then you just c- kind of keep going on from there. But again, that that's, you know, just Jay's wild Wisconsin dreams of wh- where I'd like to be doing this.
0: And uh, gearing towards the end here, of course, um, because we've been talking about your uh, documentaries for a while. Um, I kind of should I should give you a moment to be able to kind of plug your documentaries, let people know where they can find them at. Um, let them know exactly what they're going to find on each of them because I-, I love them. I got them actually both sitting right here next to me. They're absolutely wonderful, and I highly recommend anybody go and check them out. And especially after this conversation, everybody's heard the backstory of it. You got to go and watch the footage yourself. So, you know, kind of give people a little bit of a rundown where they can find it at. Um, if you got a new one that's coming out soon, uh, any of that kind of stuff. Of course, you got to have the opportunity to plug your work. <laughs>
1: Well, and thank you very much, Shane. Even if it's you, even if you were the one person who saw my films and and loved it the way you just said, it was worth it for me then because, you know, I wasn't out there trying to do the the you know this was not going to be a Titanic, or Star Wars or Oscar nominee. It wasn't meant to be that. It was meant for me to share, uh, for other like minded people. And thank you very much for saying that. Um, you can actually my films are streaming on Amazon Prime. Um, well, actually, I have two documentaries, Finding J, which was released in July of 2019. And then Beyond the Kettle, Finding J2 was released in August of 2022. So a year ago was actually released. It's been out for a year. I have both of those movies streaming on Amazon Prime and Pyroflex and um, Vimeo so right now vimeo might be going away so right now the only two places to stream it would be uh amazon prime and uh paraflex i also have them available on blu-ray through my website which is at jbachochin.com i have a storefront there and um what you're going to see in each one of these movies you can hear it right from the horse's mouth there right from me is 100 percent fact-driven uh, I didn't add anything to pump the movie up to be uh, more high octane or, or, or scary or dramatic. Of course, you have to throw a little music in it, which was what. Of I course. Do. Um,
0: production value.
1: I, well, <laughs> production value. If not, it, it really is. You'd fall asleep listening to my voice. Um, but it's, it's basically everything true to uh, any type of what I call trace evidence. Again, I never throw it down anyone's throat that it's Bigfoot, but see it for yourself. And like Shane did, he, he saw some things that even I missed that what were the possibilities? And I love that. I love getting those messages to where I can go and then check, go back to my raw footage and go, how did I even miss that out of all this? And there's so much always going on. And I and I do try to put out, uh, put out all the... Uh, the highlights i would say of what i believe is trace evidence and uh then so that would be finding jay uh, d- definitely say watch the first one first because from what i've heard from other people that have seen both as they say the first one leads you up to the door
0: yep <laughs> the
1: second one pushes you through the door and it's because i bring in uh, we start talking about the orbs of lights that we've seen out there. Is there a connection? Uh I brought on in my second film, uh, Ron Moorhead, Ken Gerhardt, David Weatherly, Steve Coles, um you know, a slew of other people that have the different knowledge and a different perspective on on how that is as well. So they're definitely uh, I love them both. I don't know if I love the first one because it was like the freshman, you know, your freshman film. That's your baby. The second one, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my baby. But the second one, you know, I, I had to raise the bar, you know, from the first one just to be able to talk about this now. So now where does it go from here? Well, right now I do have the two documentaries out. So definitely I'd say check them
0: out. Say, and as far as I go, I'm a very unconventional person. So part of the reason why I enjoyed your documentary so much is because it wasn't over, like, obviously everybody likes entertainment value, but I like that you go at it from just like the straight, this is fact, this is what it is perspective. Because, you know, a lot of people that aren't super duper into it, but they're interested in Sasquatch, they like the stuff that's all like, oh, what was that noise? What was that? What was that? What was that? But coming from somebody that's like regularly digging into these topics, it's like that, 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 that's, that's entertaining, don't get me wrong, but it's like I want, I want yeah. the real stuff, I want the base stuff, I, and I enjoy the way that you go about it because you're not trying to make it over-extravagant, you're not trying to make it more than what it is, you're saying stuff for exactly what it is, you're giving people the solid information, and you have a different way of going about doing your research, which again, being an unconventional person, I love that kind of stuff. And you just bring your own light to it. And I feel like it's like you've said, it's one of those things that it's meant for specific people, but the people that have watched it and enjoyed it very much so enjoyed it. It's it's they're great films. And for anybody that's into the Sasquatch stuff and they're tired of seeing, you know, the same repetitive, what was that noise? What was that noise? What was that noise? Like finding Jay is some of the best, uh, Bigfoot documentaries that I've seen again, just because I I love the way that you go about doing it. Thank you so much.
1: I'm humbled by you saying that. I really appreciate that you know you're, you're you're my number one fan out there right <laughs> you're that one
0: yeah hey, i was the one that you said that there was only uh me and one other person that noticed the eyes that i saw in the first film and they were about yes. six or seven feet up and yeah. that just goes for even other people that watch these types of films like you never know what you might catch that other people didn't catch even the people that produced the film so don't hesitate to shoot the creator of the film, a message, letting him know if you see any other weird stuff or if anybody's watching your documentary, shoot you a message and let you know, cause you might see something nobody else has seen before. And you know, if you go, Oh, somebody's probably seen that before. I'm not even going to waste my time doing it. That was kind of my thought on it. And that, you know, I still ended up shooting you a message and you said I was only the second person that noticed that. So again, you that's might be the first that noticed it and you might again, that, continue helping progressing great. the research.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Of course. And, uh, I always like to do words of wisdom, not that this has been like a dark show or anything like that, but I always like to try to leave everything on a high note. So, if there's any words of wisdom that you could bestow on the listeners, what would it be?
1: Well, there are approximately 8 billion people in the world. Each one of them has their own truth. So, you got to get out and discover for yourself to find your truth, All right? So... No matter what you heard tonight, no matter what you see in the documentary, get out there and find your truth because it's out there waiting just for you. That's what I suggest to people.
0: That's beautiful. I love that. I That's some of the best words of wisdom we've had in, over here in a long time. And uh, it's kind of something I kind of try to instill in my daughter and my son too, is uh, stay an open-minded individual. Don't uh, let anybody tell you what to think. You know, Take in everything that everybody says, but come to your own conclusions. Don't, don't just follow everything because the crowd says it, because the only time that you're ever going to progress and you're ever going to, you know, go down a different path than what everybody else is following is if you're willing to sidestep and take your own path.
1: Amen, brother. That's <laughs> awesome. I love that. And, that's uh, good. That's what, that, that's, that's what I teach my kids as well, as you could tell, as you, you can imagine.
0: It's kind of funny going about, you know, this show before and afterwards. It's funny. You and I have a lot of the same method of thinking. And I always love these long conversations because it's like you realize how much you actually have in common with people, especially considering that, you know, digging into these types of topics, you know, in your everyday life, there's not a lot of people that have the same method of thinking. So it's, it's always really nice to connect with somebody in the community that has a lot of the same thoughts as you, especially on the same topics.
1: <laughs> yes, Definitely. Been a pleasure meeting with you. And I know we've been trying to connect for, for what, a month?
0: Yeah, probably longer than that, actually. I think uh, we tried to connect uh, probably about six months or so ago. And, uh, you know, everything gets kind of tossed up. But I'm one of those people that I like to believe that everything happens for a reason. And this was the time and place that this conversation was meant to happen, man.
1: That's right. That's great. Thank you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it.
0: Pleasure was all mine, man. And uh, just an extra little side thing. If anybody uh, you know, finds something in their film that they want to share with you or they have a Sasquatch encounter they want to share with you, anything like that, uh, how, would people, how would people get in contact with you?
1: They, they could go to the website. I do have um, a, a contact uh, or a reported or a contact page on there. Or you could just uh, email me at uh, info at jbachochin.com and I'll get all those emails. And I do reply to every single email. I do. I really do. I'll take the time and I will answer it. I don't, uh, no matter how ridiculous, there's been some ridiculous emails, but I go back to saying, how can they be that ridiculous for somebody to take the time to share that with me? So that's where I keep that open mind of saying, that's something I may not have heard, but I will put it in my back pocket until I hear something like that again. And that's how you hunt the truth got to keep that open mind, no matter how ridiculous it could be, no matter how far out it could be. And that's when we get into the woo, when we talk about that. So please, anybody that has any questions about anything, um, feel free to shoot me an email. I will get back to you on that.
0: This has been an absolutely wonderful show. I'm, uh, looking forward to the next time we hopefully get to interact, man. And, uh, it's been great, man. I appreciate you making the time to come on and I can't wait till next time.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me
0: on. You have a good night. You too. If you guys enjoyed this episode, and come on, I know you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget to share this episode through word of mouth with a friend, or you guys can go over to the YouTube or the TikTok, uh, pick out the clip of the show, send that to a friend, quick and easy way to share the show. And if you guys haven't already, don't forget to review or rate the show on iTunes or Spotify. I uh, see all the ratings on Spotify, and I appreciate all you guys for doing that. But uh, as far as all the iTunes users go over there, if you guys don't mind leaving me a review for the show over there, it'll help the algorithm out, make it so that more people see the show. Um, anything you guys do, I definitely appreciate. Even if you guys don't leave a typed out review, which would be awesome. And of course, I would read on the show and give you guys a shout out. At least leave in five stars. It helps it out a lot. And the only way the show is going to continue to grow is with your guys' help, of course. And if anybody wants to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, be it that you feel like you have something you can contribute to the show, you're an artist and you want to share some stuff with the show, you're another podcaster and you possibly want to do like a merch swap or something like that. Or if you have a product that you feel you might want to advertise on the show that might fit the theme of the show, you know, if you do documentaries on cryptids or you make crypto related products or anything like that. If you guys want to get a hold of me, we can work something out. Uh, You guys can shoot me a message on Instagram, which is the form of social media that I'm the most active on. Or you guys can email me at Increase of Our Reality at Outlook.com. Or you can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and that will go directly to my email. And of course, make sure you guys check your spammer drunk folders. Make sure nothing gets missed in the process because I do, of course, respond to every single message that I get from you guys. But everything I mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description. Or if you don't feel like doing that, it's L A N K T R P E slash Increase of Our Reality Podcast. And with that, Hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody.